streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. Another morning, another day. We're so happy to be with you uh, and uh, apologize for this. I've been feeding my brothers and a meal every day and uh, I can't cook so I have to go out to eat. And uh, it's beginning to show but uh, it's going to have to go. Amen. It's going to have to go and I apologize. I just want to tell you that we're studying 1 Kings. <clears throat> and 1 Kings chapter 20 is is the continuation of the saga between Elijah and Ahab. Elijah and the will of God. Elijah and another minor prophet who shows up and does wonderful things in the name of the Lord. Because as you know, on chapter uh, 19, Elijah is substituted by Elisha. Elisha is a found and anointed prophet of Israel. So, the dimension here is that there is a transition time between the time that Elijah is in care and entrusted to do the will of God and Elisha comes in the scene. And of course, this minor prophet is the, is the keynote, the person that designates the will of God uh, for the life of Ahab. And, so, and of course, now, another introduction in the history uh, of, of Elijah is, is uh, 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 Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, who invades Samaria. And so we are on chapter 20. The prophet warns Ahab. As you know, Ahab is married to Jezebel. You know the man. You don't understand who he is. And this prophet, we don't understand who he is. But he's someone in the scope of the will of God that comes in. God delivers him a message. He goes into the court of a very, very, very dangerous king and announces to him. And so, it, it is the Lord because nobody would have done that if they weren't. And so, and the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, Go, strengthen yourself. Mark and see what you do. Be careful. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come up against you. <coughs> and so, it tells Ahab to start jogging. Start preparing. Start organizing his life, organizing his day, and prepare the army. And know that in the time of the year, January or so, there will be an invasion by the king of Syria, King Behadad. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we. But let me fight against them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. I talked to you about this last week. And I decided to do it again because there's a lot of lessons on, this, on these uh, verses 22 to 30. Just eight verses. You see, when you refer to the God of Israel as a lesser God, you are actually deciding your future. 
And we as Christians living in the world that is being transformed by, by culture, we need to know that when the world refers to God as the God of the house, He is limiting the power and the potential that God has within His creation, within His world, within what He's going to do. And so if we look to be like the God, if we look to uh, the persecutors of the gospel, if we look to, uh, to those who do not believe, to those who are a professional servants of God, meaning they're about to get a salary. But what they do first in all their data, the way they speak, is lesson God. These are simply the servants of God that refer to, to the Lord as the God of the hills. We can't do them if we're in the hills. But if we are in the valley, we're good. The biggest thing, look, look at the, the behavior. The first thing I want to tell you is that we recognize that the God that destroyed them was greater than him, which is still there. It was God who had defeated him. And they looked at Jehovah as a local deity, the God of the hills. So minimizing the power of God, in any commentary, in any mode of expression, in any, any, any habit or statement of any kind, you are actually feeling yourself in the practicing, that's basically a sentence upon your ability to represent it. So, in Biblia, take the kings away of the monkeys out of his place and put the captives in the wounds. The veteran military man at the head of every unit. And I'm not thinking about that. What kind of strategy is that? Uh, what kind of strategy? Because you see, the strategy here is to take the princes and the kings ahead of the army and, uh, and put ahead of them the generals, those who are battle-hardened. And I'm able to open the way for the, for the soldiers to come in. But, but that's their strategy, okay? That's their strategy. Now, speaking to today, today, our life today in the world, our daily, daily ministry to others, what type of strategy do you think we should have? Christians need a strategy. And if you uh, follow this story, you're going to find out that the strategy of God is very, very much unknown. There's no, there's no strategy. Look at the uh, pass at the return of the year, which is in January, the Belladon number the Syrians, they're up to a pact to fight against Israel, just like the prophet had said. Now, I'm trying to discover the strategy of Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered in their presence. So, so, it does a number in their presence, meaning that the size of the army of Israel <coughs> is much smaller. And we're against them. And the children of Israel pitched 
before them like the two little flocks of kids, a tiny army, small tiny army. It wasn't in the thousands and thousands and thousands of, of Ben-Hadad's army, Syrian army. It was a small army. It doesn't say the number here, but probably they were number one, a hundred to one. So if they had a thousand, Israel would have a hundred. Now, now that's the strategy. I don't see. The math doesn't work out. What in the world are you doing with a hundred soldiers against an army that is so bad? Now, is the reality. Greatest heathenism is the heathenism in the world. I think it's telling us if we keep on looking at the opposition and finding how big, how powerful, how mighty they are and how strong they are, the Lord is just working on the sidelines with very little. And He is going to accomplish what He has promised He would by the prophet. Amen. Okay, alright, let's go to uh, But the Syrians filled the country. In other words, the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids, a tiny army. But the environment filled the country. There were thousands upon thousands of Syrians. So, against God is not to be taken into account. All that does is to put fear on you. It, it put anxiety in you. It put torment in you when you begin to cease size, cease strength, because you see, Satan is a defeated foe. And he cannot in no shape or form war against the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. something very interesting happened. And there came a man of God and spoke unto the king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, no. I don't know who this man is. But I have an idea that there were more prophets in the sight of God than there were prophets in the sight of Israel. So the power of the word in the hand and the mouth of the man of God that shows up one, two, and three of them, whatever they are, where they came from, is greater than a thousand, a hundred thousand army. So what God had in control and what the Lord was about to do is to establish vocal faith power. Vocal faith power. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are part according to His purpose. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and we keep on saying it. The power of the word is greater than the power of any army whatsoever. When you begin to minister the word upon the people of God, you are in putting upon them a strength that only God knows. They will devour the enemy in the resistance, in the opposition to pieces. That's what I say. You know, I've served a church for 42 years, and, and many 
every situation back then. And I'm only as hope I still remain. But most of them are already dead. And so what I'm saying to you is that the power of the world supersedes the power of any physical power whatsoever. And so, they took it on the gap. So, you begin to notice that there's going to be a lot of little gaps for when they use you, driving and waiting for the world to speak to them. <laughs> I mean, that's the third man of God. Elijah, Elijah, first one man of God, second one man of God, and now this is the third. And I tell the man of God, they say, who he is, but it's really the scientists. This is God, the Lord is in charge of this idea. And you have to get an idea that there's a presence that nobody can see, but it's very, very present. And that's what I've been trying to tell you this morning. That as you get busy to get your work done, run here and run there and stick here and right there and sign over here and the past over here and pay over here and pass over here. The bar is a presence that is not seen because you're so busy with what you can see. But look, that's how the man of God is spoken to the king of Israel. That's what happened. And said, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have fled, the Lord is God of the hills. But he is not God of the hills. Therefore, will I deliver all the great multitude into your hand, which shall know that I am God. See, it doesn't take the many names to pray of God. It does not pay. It's not filthy. It is not proper. It is actually insane to refer to the power of the Holy Spirit as if somehow it's something that you don't seem to accept and have the liberty of it. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people simply cannot understand the power of the Holy Spirit because they never use it. They speak as if there's nothing there. And also, I want you to know that when in this particular verse of Scripture, what can you speak to these men of God that came to the king, uh, and have to speak to him, and none of them is them. I don't see nobody realizing the prophets. In this country, in our churches today, any prophetic ministry is minimized. Put down. You look at television, there's a man speaking something powerful. But you don't even see because it doesn't make any sense. It's television. You don't throw off the burden with the world, folks. You gotta be careful. Who are you minimizing? Who are you downloading? Who are you are? And it says this because the feelings have said the lowest down of the hills, he's not the down of the valleys. You don't want to just do. It cost their lives. Thousands died here. Not only thousands of people, soldiers, died in the Syrian army because of a statement like that. So you know the prophet, it was a simple statement. So what I'm trying to tell you is that the sensitivity, the respect, and the honor to anyone who stands for the Lord and have proven in their lives that they serve the God Almighty needs to be respected, honored. If not, do not belittle them or him or she. I'm very careful.
powerful it is. You know, I'm simply standing in the midst of a hundred, three hundred thousand people. And I'm looking for someone who represents the Lord and carries the Lord God. his will and goes after one at a time. Not ten, fifty, a hundred, one at a time. In other words, the experience that you have with the Lord under the grace of God on the power of the cross of Calvary is enough to turn a multitude upside down. One. Here is an interesting strategy because, you know, I studied this over and over again and read this chapter over and over again, and I, and I just couldn't understand what they're doing, okay? Here's confusion in my head. Listen to this, verse uh, 29. Listen to this. They pitched one against the other seven days. Now, when they pitched, they put the tents, you know, instead of. 
In other words, one or the other. Now that is just, just doesn't seem to fit. Why would Israel, now it looks, and they pitched one over against the other. I've been to a Georgia game when they played Georgia Tech. I mean, they pitched uh, one against the other right in the middle of the game. I've been mean, to a Georgia Tech game, and there's a boy on the left looking over the field. They yelled at the guys downstairs. And the 